Come on in, guys. Plenty of open seats. Um, thank you for being here this morning. It's early. It's a tall order. I completely understand that. My name is Mark Marquin. I am filling in for Johnny Hampton today. He's out of town on business. Um, as many of you know, we're right in the middle of 21 days of prayer. And this campus, their prayer starts at 715. So no way we wanted to cancel this event. Um, the food's just too good, right? So we know that's why we're here. So listen, we bumped it uh, earlier, so really it means a lot that you guys made it. Um, panic mode for two weeks. Are they reading the email? Are they looking in the subject line? Top level meetings, should we just put 615 in the subject line? Do we put men's breakfast in What do we do? And uh, it looks like a lot of it works, so I'm really ha grateful that you guys are here. Um, so we have to get a lot of stuff squeezed in before 715 so we don't interrupt Pastor, um, Pastor Ian and his, his crew. Uh, so to start us off, uh, John Starr has an announcement. Come on up, John, and um, let us know what's, uh, what's happening in your world. Thanks, Mark. Morning, guys. Hey, um, you know, my small groups kind of struggle with an outreach project that we could all get excited about. Uh, and last uh, fall, we started talking about how much we would love to have another men's retreat like we've had here in the past. And uh, so we uh, actually approached the church about doing one in the spring, but things didn't quite work out. But uh, things have come together for the fall. Uh, we're going to put on a men's retreat out at Dry Gulch the last weekend in October, October 27th and 28th. Uh, we've got Joe McGee coming to speak, so we're real excited about that. Uh, so we've handed out some flyers this morning. If you're interested in coming, if you're on Johnny's email list, he was kind enough to give me that, so you probably got a blast email about that. Uh, you can either register with this by mail if you just want to pay by check, or you can reg register on Eventbrite. Uh, there is a small fee if you do that. Uh, for any of you that uh, don't have the financial resources to do it, uh, we, are, we do have 10 scholarships available. I've got some pink forms here. Uh, for guys that, you know, if you're unemployed or just struggling and can't make it, uh, we didn't want to turn anybody away if we couldn't. So we're hoping for a big turnout. Um, we're, we're real excited about doing it. Hope you all come join us. Uh, one other thing, we are looking for some intercessor prayers to pray for the event. <clears throat> so if you're an intercessor prayer or have a wife that is, uh, try, try to get in contact with me because uh, we'd like to set up that team. Uh, and if you lose this, you can always go to the website. It's railmen, like a train rail, R-A-I-L, dot org, and uh, that'll get you to the link as well. Thank you. Thanks, John. We will, um, we're never going to stop talking about small groups. It's not going away. Um, it's, it's the heart of where we're at right now, where our church is going, um, what our founding pastor and lead pastor or where they're heading, it's centered around small groups, about the connection. So the, the men's events, the men's events, they're important. Um, these outreaches, it's the, it's the heart of where we are and where we're going. So um, probably until everybody raises their hands and says, I'm in a small group, we're going to continue to talk about it. All right, today our speaker is James Martin. James K... James, say no more. James, are already clapping. <laughs> James comes from a broken home. While his father was serving overseas, his mother was home battling a drug addiction. 
James was moved around from family member to family member until his father returned from the military. At age 17, James joined the army and served for 15 years. While serving in Iraq, he was severely injured, which resulted into nine major surgeries and 15 surgical procedures. Today, James is the general manager at Nelson Mazda, and he is the founder of Wounded Veterans of Oklahoma, a nonprofit that helps veterans and their families with all aspects of their lives. James has a powerful testimony of God's grace, deliverance, and freedom. Welcome, James Martin. How's everybody doing? Can you guys hear me? Hey, it works. All right. No, but you know, has anybody ever been to one of the men's retreats here at Church on the Move? Raise your hand. I will tell you guys, that is something that's absolutely, absolutely amazing. I know a lot of you guys will agree with me. So if you guys have time, I would definitely make time to go on this. Uh, it really changed my life. You know, talking about the small groups and the things that I'm going to talk about today, that's actually one of the things that helped me with my struggles was having a small group, to having guys I can go speak to, people to talk to, who hold nothing against you, and they're just there to listen. So it was really beneficial to me, so I encourage you guys to do that. So, you know, I'm, I was asked to come up here and speak, and I'm just, I'm honored to be up here. You know, Johnny asked me to come up here and talk, and like I said last time, I, you know, usually I talk about transitioning from the military or dealing with PTSD and, you know, dealing with catastrophic situations. And he asked me to talk about anger. And I thought to myself for a second there, I'm like, wow, and I told my wife, I'm like, he wants me to speak about anger. She told me, you need to practice what you preach, you know, which is kind of funny, but it's, it's a blessing to be up here because there's so many things we deal with as men with anger, because if you think about it, anger is Satan's number one tool against us. And I have this tool bag up here. I'm going to kind of go through that here in a little bit, but like I said, I'm going to talk about different aspects of anger. Anger we deal with our kids, anger that we deal with our family, our past, our families, our friends, our job. Uh, then I'm also just talk a little bit about you know my journey, share a couple stories. Uh, I got a good story I'm going to share with my buddy over here, Cody Shrek. We'll get into that here in just a minute. But uh, the first thing I wanted to do, if all the veterans in the room, police officers, first responders, can you guys please stand up real quick? Sheriffs, firefighters, everybody. We just want to take a second to recognize you guys. Thank you guys for what you do, and thank you for the sacrifice you made. Because of the sacrifice you make, and a lot of you continue to make, we continue to live in a country that's free. And a lot of times we take that for granted. Unless you deployed overseas, you know, you absolutely take freedom for, you know, for granted. And also the men and women who serve here daily every single day, thank you for what you do so we could be home safe. Uh, but I wanted to go over a couple of pictures here, kind of talk about my family first. Uh, you know, I was blessed... That's my wife, Anna. A lot of you guys know her. I got three crazy boys, probably the most accident boys in uh, Lincoln Christian. Um, my beautiful daughter, Kate. Um, you know, my wife has been an absolute blessing to me. In the, gosh, first nine years of our marriage, she moved the total of 12 times. Uh, my first three years of my marriage, I was gone for 24 months. So she has truly been my rock and my foundation. And a lot of you guys who've been in the military, you know what it's like that when we serve, our families also serve. So when you go home tonight, tell your wife thank you, because she had to take care of everything while you were gone. She was the mom, she was the dad, she paid the bills, she cleaned the house, she took care of everything for you, so we need to definitely give thanks to them. And go to the next picture. That's my son Jimmy, my kids. There's one more picture on there. There's Jimmy. Where's the next one? 
All right, so, you know, when you talk about anger in our kids, this is a picture of my son, Jimmy. And so it's kind of a funny story. So I came home one day, and I walk in the house. My son's sitting there smiling at me, and I looked at him, and I've never been so angry in my life. I said, what in the world have you done to your hair? So I looked at him. I said, son, do you realize what you did is a mistake? He goes, what do you mean? I said, son, you're Asian. We don't dye our hair blonde. I said, we do not look right. Have you lost your mind? He looked at me. He goes, dad, I'm half Irish. <laughs> he goes, we're half Irish. I said, okay, you're good. But no, I gave him kudos for that because <clears throat> what had happened was he was in a basketball tournament and he said, if we lose, I'll dye my hair blonde. And they lost. And uh, he coughed up to the bet, which uh, I give him credit for. But, you know, sometimes our kids, you know, can make us do things. They know how to find that button, hit that button, and jump on it. And uh, a lot of times we have frustrations we deal with at work and we take it out on our families. But that's my amazing son there. Um, you know, so just talking about my life in general, I think before I really talk about it, I've got to talk about how it began uh, my parents actually met in the Vietnam War. Uh, my dad was a Green Beret for 24 years. Uh, he served in Vietnam. Uh, they ran a lot of their missions out of villages. And uh, in this village, he met my mom. Uh, they went on a beautiful walk in the jungle. You know, I think there was a moonlight that was involved. And uh, next you know, she's pregnant. Uh, the war ended. My dad actually came back to the States and went back and got my mom and brought her back to the States. So I'm one of those babies. So thank you for everybody who's served in Vietnam. I really appreciate it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when my mother came to the United States, it was tough on her. You know, when she got here, my father was constantly deployed. Uh, while he was deployed, my mom got addicted to drugs. Uh, I was going through some pictures uh, with my wife, and I found a picture of my mom holding me and my sister with a bag of cocaine. I mean, she got really, really hooked on drugs. And it was a mess for her. Uh, my dad had no idea, you know, we never told him anything, so he's deployed overseas thinking everything's hunk-and-dory, you know, back here in the homestead. Uh, and then when I was about five, my dad had called home. He called home to check on us, and I got on the phone, he's talking to me, and I said, Dad, guess what? I have two dads. He said, what do you mean? I was like, well, there's this guy, Dale, who comes over all the time and stays in our house. So he takes me out, he plays catch with me, takes me fishing. So within two hours of that phone call at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, there was like 15 guys from his SF unit at our house. One, looking for this guy, and two, not letting my mom leave, and pretty much just invaded the house. So my mom actually packed her bags and took off and left, left us in the house. So the military, of course, got involved. They came to the house, and we actually went to the SF compound and hung out there as kids until my dad returned home. Uh, when my father returned home, he took us to Maine, where my, my grandmother and my aunt and the rest of my family live. And uh, we bounced around from my grandma's house to my aunt's house. You know, to me, looking back, being a kid, that was the best time of my life, and I wouldn't change it for anything. But, uh, you know, my mom actually did pack up and leave. I haven't seen her since. You know, it's, it's tough when you think about the aspects you deal with as your kids are growing up. We all go through hardships. We all go through different situations. You know, my situation is different from some people's situation, and I feel like some people go through situations that are a lot worse than mine. You know, because what happened with me, I was taken out of that situation and given to a family who loves me and adores me. was the best thing that could have happened to me. Um, you know, and growing up as a kid, you know, when I was eight years old, my father remarried, and I came to an understanding that my dad really had a thing for Asians, because when he got stationed in Korea, he married a Korean woman. And so when I was eight, we moved to Korea, uh, met my new family. I was always in trouble. I got in so much trouble. I mean, I was the worst kid in the world. My dad used to have to pick me up at the front gate with the MPs. I mean, I was just doing stupid stuff. They had curfews in Korea, and I broke every curfew. It was, I lived in Hanum Village. Anybody here serving in Korea? Yeah, the Navy guy in the back. <laughs> but no, you know, living in Korea was just an absolute mess. I had a great time. And just growing up, I got involved in gangs, got involved in drugs, just made a lot of stupid mistakes as a kid growing up. 
Uh, but then it all changed for me. You know, when I turned 17, my dad took me to the recruiter station and said, don't come home until you're enlisted. So he dropped me off. I went inside. Thank God the high school is, you know, right across the street from where the recruiter station was. Went to the high school, wrestling practice over, but he gave me a ride home. Got home. My dad looked at me and said, do you enlist? I said, no. My dad's a 6'4", blonde-haired, blue-eyed Irishman. I said, absolutely not. He took me right back in his truck, dropped me on, said, go and enlist. Went inside, looked at the Marine recruiter, had a mean look on his face, just like all Marines do. The Army guy was standing in the corner. Navy guys were playing some video game. I don't know what they were doing. Yeah. <clears throat> but the Army guy looks at me. He's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, all right, I'm going to talk to this guy. Went inside, sat down. I'm looking at the back door, and I'm like, all right, how can I get out of here? My dad sees me looking around, so he comes inside and sits down in the back. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is, I have no choice. So I listened to the military. You know, and then what I did at the age of 17, you actually go to boot camp on the Delancher program your, your, uh, your summer and come back and finish school, then you go to AIT school. So it was an absolute crazy wild adventure for me. I have some pictures up here just of my time in the military. I mean, look at that guy. And you're like, what happened to him? I ate him. He's gone. You know? But no, this is actually a picture of me in Korea on the DMZ in Korea, Camp Boniface Joint Security Area. We're actually playing with a lot of explosives. Uh, as you can see in the military and the Army, we don't think that much, and we're sitting next to you probably... On that case, probably has like 100 pounds of C4, and yeah, it wasn't smart. But if you uh, keep scrolling through here, that's a picture of Iraq. Uh, it's a mission briefing that we just had, had finished, and I took a picture, so we're getting on the helos about to go in and off, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. It reminded me of Black Hawk Down when all the our helicopter were on the landing pad. I'm like, I got to get a picture of this. That's me, and that's our interpreter, uh, greatest person in the world. I'll do anything for that guy. He saved my life more than once. Uh, if you keep going here, uh, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, I know what happened. I gained weight. I have issues. You can tell by this picture. If you stop here, here's a funny picture. Um, you know, when you think about anger in the military, we play a lot of jokes. Uh, you can't really see it, but at the very bottom of this picture, there's a frog. That's me. It's my buddy Perez and my buddy Gil, and there's a frog right here. So a lot of different units, they have mascots. And uh, these guys are really angry with us for about the rest of the deployment. And so what we did is we kidnapped a little frog. We actually went to their building, and it was a bunch of infantry guys, and I was a cat scout for 15 years. So what we did is we took their weapons, took the frog, blindfolded it, and took a picture like we were getting ready to execute it when he wanted to ransom for it. So <clears throat> we left it on their cameras, and we took the frog. And so when they came back and saw the picture on the camera, they really got pissed off. Like, they were seriously upset. It's, I mean, they looked at it like, you know, a lot of times when you deploy overseas, everybody carries an American flag or they carry something. That is what they carried. And so they got mad, and then I got mad, and I cut off the frog's head, <clears throat> left it in the front of their building, and that was that. Uh, and we ended up getting a huge fight over it. It was just an absolute mess. It's amazing how something small could turn into something so big. Uh, if you keep going here, there's me. If you stop right here, this is our Humvee. Um, this picture, actually, when you look at that, you're like, wow, what the heck happened? But I look at it, I'm like, man, that was the best apartment Humvee I've ever been in my life. Because you can really tell by the pictures of this how much firepower those things could take. So we went from having the hillbilly army when you first deployed overseas, which is they took Humvees and welded a bunch of metal doors to it, to actually up-armored Humvees, which was awesome. Um, you know, it's, there's one story I want to share with you guys. It's a funny story. I actually got a nickname from my buddy here, Cody Shrek. Uh, Cody Shrek actually was a special operations soldier in the Air Force. He's a JTAC, so he talked to the planes. I think they're really cool. You know, they talk to the airplanes, they get satellite phone, they get all the cool stuff. And then when you deploy, they ask you to help carry some of their stuff, and you're like, I'm not touching it. But uh, he gave me a nickname, and uh, the nickname is Tobar. Uh, 
which is a funny nickname, and I've been trying to come up with a nickname for him, um, but I haven't been able to yet. But I will tell you this, I will make this the most awkward 30 minutes in the world for you. I'll get you back that way. If I could ever have a man crush, it's going to be on that guy. Okay, we're going to start there. Yeah. But no, when I was in Iraq, you know, one of the things that happened was after the Battle of Fallujah, the insurgency pushed north. And when they pushed north, they pushed north to an area called Talifar, which is in northern Mosul, northern Iraq, in that area. And uh, our mission at that time was we didn't have any direct action missions or anything like that. And so we were helping escorting units up north because they had to get so many supplies up north. Uh, There's a National Guard unit who was getting ready to go north. They had a bunch of supply trucks They're carrying big uh, cement barriers and supplies and stuff like that. And so we had a briefing. And we told these guys, we said, hey, listen, in that briefing, this area, you're going to get ambushed. Something's going to happen. IEDs, for you guys who are deployed over Iraq and Afghanistan, I mean, IEDs are everywhere. They always happen. They blow up in front of you, blow up behind you, and sometimes they get lucky and they get you. So we told this unit, we said, hey, listen, when we go north, if something happens, you guys just continue on. The gun truck escort, which is us, we would actually break off, secure the area, suppress the enemy if we need to suppress them. And then what we would do is get the vehicle out. If we can't get it out, we would burn it. So while we're escorting this unit, you know, you have 15 vehicles can stretch over a very long way. And uh, that picture is a remembrance for me of that day. So what had happened was we're asking this unit, and one of the vehicles got hit with a small ID, disabled the vehicle on the side of the road. Well, here's what happened. For all you guys in the military, you'll laugh at this. The entire convoy pulled over, okay, which is the worst mistake you can make. They pulled over and got really close together. Then the next thing you know, they start jumping out of their vehicles. So we pull up. My lieutenant gets out of the Humvee. I see him running out cursing, yelling every curse word in the book that you can at everybody. And we told him that, hey, listen, if something were to happen, your record vehicle needs to be your two biggest and strongest guys. Because if something were to go down, one, they're going to be getting shot at, and two, they're going to have to be lifting heavy tow bars off the vehicle to hook up to the vehicle to pull it out, hence the name tow bar. Uh, and so what had happened was the wrecker vehicle pulls up, and we're sitting next to it. And thank, thank the Lord, nothing else was going on at that time. A lot of times we get high, hit with IEDs, it's just one guy on the trigger, and that's it. So the wrecker vehicle pulls up, this guy gets out, he looked like he probably weighed 105 pounds soaking wet, and his girlfriend, who he served in the National Guard with, hopped out. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. Nothing was going on at that moment. There was no buildings around except for one or two off in the distance. But there's two guys on the rooftop brandishing no weapons, so we couldn't do anything. But there's nothing else. So I tell the driver to get in the turret. I get out and I run over there. Of course, I have some choice words with them because they can't even get the tow bar off the vehicle. So we're lifting the tow bar off the vehicle, and we hook it up. And while we're trying to secure it, the rest of the convoy pulls off. Well, there was a secondary device, called a daisy, it's called a daisy chain IED, which means that it's multiple IEDs that are linked together. So that goes off. Well, when that goes off, I turn to face that building. When I face the building, one of the guys picks up an AK. I was completely off balance, and I knew the only thing I could do was just throw lead, and hopefully he'll just get down. Well, when I squeezed the trigger, that dude ski and his girlfriend just took off running. That tow bar came down, hit me on the side of the foot, completely compound fractured my foot, turned my pinky toe upside down. And then from that point four, Cody gave me the name Tobar. So I'm extremely grateful for that nickname. But during that situation, I'm laying on the ground, and all I can hear is my comm set as Martin got shot. And I'm in so much pain because of my pinky toe. I'm literally in tears crying. And I'm sitting there screaming at the top of my lungs trying to say something, but the only thing I can get out is my toe. So the next thing you know, they start throwing smoke. They come and grab me, pull behind a vehicle. When they pull me behind the vehicle, my buddy's looking at me. He just ran into a hail of bullets to come grab me. And it's just like some of this movie said, he's looking at me, he's like, you're going to be okay, look at me. And I'm like, dude, my pinky toe's killing, man, it hurts so bad. I'm like, bro, get off my toe, man, it hurts. 
And he's looking at me, he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, my toe, man, my toe. He's like, you're what? And of course, he starts cursing at me. The medic comes over, cuts my boot off. And as this is happening, you see the Humvee. That's how much firepower that Humvee took. And we're sitting on the other side of it. And uh, so they took me back, blood poured out of my boot, sent me to Kuwait, sewed me up, and sent me back, you know, RTD return to duty in Iraq. And that was probably one of the most angriest moments I ever had in Iraq, not just because of the situation that happened, because of how much people made fun of me you know, from that point forward. And it was a bunch of nicknames that stuck, so it was just a, a pain in the rear. But you know, when you think about the military, you know, the military trains you to go to war. But one thing they don't do is they don't train you to come home. You know, they train you to fight with so much hate and so much anger that when you come home, nobody ever really talks about it. Nobody talks about the things that you went through. A big celebration of going out and having some beers, but there's no one there to really help you. Because when you come home, the first thing people ask you is this, are you okay? How are you doing? And I would ask my guys, I'm like, how are you doing? You're doing all right? They tell me, you know what? I'm good to go. I'm ready to go back. Because there is a time, you know, our first casualty was Staff Sergeant James Morrison, great guy. He actually died in an accident. You know, for a while there, everybody was kind of down in the dumps, which is understandable. So I had to pull my guys together, and I told them, I said, hey, listen, this pain, this suffering you're feeling right now, you need to take that pain and suffering and turn it into anger and use that anger. The best thing that we can do right now is get revenge. So do you take that suffering that you have going on in your heart right now, and you take it, you ball it up inside, and when we get home, we'll deal with it, and we'll deal with it together. But then what happens when you return home, you don't deal with that anger. You don't deal with it. You keep it inside because you don't want anybody to see that you're weak. And it's just like, you know, for the police officers and deputies and firefighters here, you guys are in a hard situation because you guys see horrific things every single doggone stinking day. And you got to deal with those things. But one thing you can't do is you can't go tell people, man, I need someone to talk to. I need help. Because if you were to do that, what are they going to do? They're going to put you behind a desk, get you help. You're going to get singled out in front of everybody. And you don't want that. You want to continue on with your job. But in that same situation, what happens? We take that pain, that frustration that we have, and we take it out on the people we love. We come home, we take it out on our family. We take it out on our kids. We take it out on the people we love, which is absolutely the worst thing that we can do. But a lot of times what happens, we don't have the help that we need. You know, the, the, the devil uses that against you. You know, I have this tool bag up here because what happens is the devil has a tool bag for each of us. Each and every one of us, we each have a different tool bag. And every time the devil will take something out, you know, some, everybody might have different things, but there's one common thing that he has, that he uses, that each of us has in our tool bag, and that's anger. You know, it's, it's the number one tool that us men have that Satan uses, which is our downfall. You know, anger against our family, anger against our friends, anger over a situation. But a lot of times what happens is our anger is something that has to do with our past, you know, the past is the most powerful thing that Satan uses against us in all that we do. You know, a lot of our anger that we deal with is because we dwell in our past. We live in our past. We focus on our past. And the amazing thing about it is Jesus is actually sitting right here saying, hey, come over here. I have all these blessings for you. I have so much for you. It's right here. But then what happens is we're sitting over here and we focus on the past. We live in the past. Our past becomes a current reality. And that we don't receive these blessings because we can't get over something that we've done. We can't get over a situation that we were in because it just, it engulfs us. It becomes our everything. And Jesus is sitting there saying, listen, guys, buddy, I didn't create you to be able to handle that. What you're going through, that pain and suffering, you can't do it alone. Give it to me. He's sitting there saying, I want it. Let me take it. Please, I'm here for you. 
But it's like we sit there and we're like, no, I'm just going to go ahead and keep it. I'm going to dwell in this misery that I have. You know, in Matthew, it says, Matthew eleven twenty, 20, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. And right now, I know there's some people here who are dealing with some situations in their past that's really haunting them, and you can't move on, and you're suffering from it. You know, like for me, I was so angry with my mom because of what she did that uh, before one of, one, of, one of my deployments, we actually came from Colorado Springs to here. It was right before Thanksgiving, and uh, we were going to spend some time with the family. I was going to deploy overseas again. So we got here, and we're sitting in a hotel room. My wife looks at me and goes, hey, I called your mom. I said, you did what? She goes, I called your mom. She's going to come here. I said, you called my real mom. She goes, yes, I did. I said, have you lost your mind? And I told her, I said, that woman has caused me and my family so much misery, so much pain, and you called my mom and told her to come here. And I'm like, I'm about to go to war in two days. That is the worst thing that you could have done to me. That is the absolute worst thing you could have done. And I'm about to go overseas, and I cannot believe that this has happened. So my wife keeps looking at me. She tells me, she goes, you know what? It's the right thing to do. It's what God wanted me to do. You know, I was praying about it. You know, what can I do before you go? And that's the one thing that he put on my heart. And she kept telling me, she goes, you'll understand. And she took it. Man, she took it. I was yelling. I was so pissed off. Man, I mean, in all honesty, it was so bad that she probably should have left me. But I was so angry, and I was screaming at the top of my lungs. So then I finally calmed down, and she looks at me, and she goes, you're going to understand why I did this the moment she gets here. So that night, there's a knock on the motel or the hotel room door we were staying at, and my mom is standing there. So I look at my mom, and she's in absolute tears. She's just bawling her eyes out. And then standing behind her is Dale, the guy that she actually left and ran away with, the guy who actually caused my family so much pain and suffering also. I looked at my mom, gave her the biggest hug. I started crying. I looked at Dale. You know, the old man wanted to punch him between the eyes, but I shook his hand. And I told my mom, I said, I forgive you. And I looked at Dale, and I told him, I forgive you also. And when that happened, the heaviest burden I've ever had on me in my entire life was lifted. And I mean, it was such a relief. And before deploying overseas, that was the best thing that absolutely could have happened to me. And I'll tell you right now, I know there's some people in our room, in this room, who are dealing with some situations. And one of the most encouraging things I can tell you is to forgive that person. You know, sometimes we may have to ask for forgiveness, but a lot of times we may have to forgive somebody else too. You know, the devil, he's after you constantly. And if you think about it, he's actually the best trained sniper in the world. I mean, when you become a believer, when you become a Christian, it's not all hunky-dory. I'm telling you that right now. When you do that, you get a big bullseye on your back. And and the devil is sitting there waiting to take that perfect shot. He's waiting for that perfect moment to tear a family apart. He's waiting for that perfect moment to start an addiction with somebody. The devil comes to seek and destroy, and he's the perfect stalker out there waiting for you to make a mistake waiting for you to lash out on somebody, and he's ready to take that shot. But, you know, when I thought about it, you know, when I went through, I said, you know what, man, I went through so much pain and suffering in the past, and the devil kept taking some good shots at me. He was hitting the mark. But there's one thing that can help us beat him. Because when you think about anger, it's a continuous battle, like I said. It's not something that just ends like that, but we deal with it every single day of our life. So what happened was I started reading Scripture. And as my relationship with the Lord got stronger, every time something would happen, it became easier to deal with. It prevented situations from happening. You guys know a lot of times when you're sitting there and you're at work and somebody makes you pissed off and you know what's coming and you just want to explode on somebody. But you know what? Scripture is a key that will help you get through that. Because as your relationship with the Lord gets stronger, like I said, everything else becomes easier to deal with in all that you do. Um, you know, Peter said 
the devil is like a roaring lion, and he really is like a lion. But the good thing about him being a lion is this. He can never ambush you because he always wars before he comes after you. Okay, You know he's coming. That thought that's coming into your mindset, that memory you have coming into your mindset, you see it coming. But like I said, guys, you have to be strong in the word. You have to be strong in your relationship with the Lord. And I promise you the things that you face will become easier to deal with. The things that you face, you'll be able to handle. The things of your past, you'll be able to overcome those things as your relationship with the Lord gets stronger. I promise you that because that is one of the most important things that really helped me. Um, there's four things that I really want to talk to you guys about and four things that really helped me. So if you can, take out your phones. I want you guys to type this in your phones real quick. Four key things that I want to give to you guys. <clears throat> One, start your morning off in the Word. Okay? Take five minutes. How many times has it happened when you get up in the morning and the first thing you did was what? You got on Facebook. You start reading the news. A lot of you guys play fantasy football. I'm playing for the first time this year. I have no idea what I'm doing. You get on there. You look at the stats. You look at what's going on. You look at the plays. And you do that for about 15, 20 minutes every time in the morning. Take five minutes. Read scripture. Say a quick prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, God, for blessing me. And thank you for giving me the strength to fight the attacks of the enemy that I'm going to face today. And then at lunch, take five minutes and pray and read another scripture. And then what I want you to do is when you go home that night, take five minutes and read scripture again and take five minutes and pray. Now, if you're married, read scripture with your spouse and pray with her, okay? But that's the key, guys. You start your morning off with the Lord you get with the Lord during your day, and you end your night with the Lord. And that's going to be one of the most powerful things that you can do, and I promise you it'll help you. All right. Number two, this is a tough one. Separate yourself from things or people that cause you pain or cause you anger. That is one of the hardest things that you could possibly do, especially when you come to the Lord. When I came to the Lord, I had to give up a lot of friends. And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, i got to take myself out of those situations. i got to take myself away from those people who cause me to falter. Because in reality, those people, they really don't care about you. They really don't. Take yourselves out of the situation, okay? Because when you don't, those situations always lead to you making a mistake. Those situations always lead to you going back to something you don't want to go back to, whether it's an addiction, whether it's something, okay? Separate yourself from people who cause you pain and suffering. And number three, give thanks every day. Give thanks every day. You know, it's amazing, us as people, we can have 50 things going on great. If you look at your job, you can have 20, 30, 40, 50 things going on great with your job. But there could be that one negative thing. And what happens is, human nature, we always focus on that one negative thing, that one negative aspect that we have going on in our lives or with our job, whatever the case is. And that one thing overcomes all the good things we have going on in our lives. Okay? Throughout your day, give thanks. Thank you, God, that I have a job. Thank you, Lord, that I have a roof over my head that my family's taken care of. Give thanks. And I tell you what, your day will become a joyful day. All right, number four. This is the most important thing I could tell you. Forgive. Every single one of us has so many lives, like I talked about, that has done something to us. Forgive that person. I promise you, there'll be a weight lifted off your shoulders that you would not believe. Now, some of you, 
may have to call somebody and ask for forgiveness for something you've done, okay? Some of us might be in that situation, but guys, please, find somebody, and you know who I'm talking about, because you probably think about that person once or twice a day or once a week. That person's always in your mindset. Forgive that person for what they did, okay? So the one thing I wanted to do real quick, I think we got like four minutes left here, is close in prayer, okay? There's one thing that we do at this church together, we do the Lord's Prayer, and we believe in what you're about to do, so we definitely want to join you in this. But if you guys could bow your head and close your eyes with me real quick. And everybody, if you can, please repeat after me. Lord, we thank you for this day. Because it is a day that you have made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross for me so that I might have everlasting life with you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Jesus, I accept you. Come into my heart. Change my life. And thank you for blessing me. And thank you for saving me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, can I ask, have any, is there somebody in this room who prayed that prayer for the first time? Can you raise your hand? Are we all saved? Okay, we got a couple of people. Thank you. Let's give them a round of applause for doing that, everybody. Now, two things. One, can you post some information on that last slide up there? My phone number's on this picture. Okay, this is the organization symbol and everything. Please, take my phone number down. And before you leave, come talk to me, because one thing I do want to do is get your name and phone number. The next step for you is to get baptized. That is the key. You accept the Lord to your heart, the next step is a baptism. Now, we weren't, we're not prepared to do it today because we've got prayer coming and everything like that, but I'm going to call you. This Sunday, I want you guys to meet me here at church. I'll text you what service and everything like that. Depends on what time I get back because we're actually going on a hunting trip right after this. But I want to be here with you while you get baptized, okay? So if you raise your hand, please come see me, and some of you guys did, which is absolutely amazing. But guys, you know, talking about the organization, the good thing about this organization is we help guys with all aspects of their lives. We have a group, my wife, she helps the spouses deal with a lot of the situations that they face every day as spouses of military, uh, of police officers, first responders, and everybody. Um, she has a good group. She's actually starting a small group at the church for, for spouses of veterans and first responders. Um, I will tell you guys, like I said, these small groups are so important. You know, when you think about it, you think about this church as being a big church. You know, everybody says, I don't want to be involved in a big church because it doesn't feel like everybody knows each other. It doesn't feel like I'm at home here. I feel like I'm just another person. But guys, these small groups are the key. You, it, it really helps you. It gets you involved in the church. You feel like you're a part of something bigger. So please, take my phone number down. My wife has an amazing group on there. But talking about the organization, guys, we do everything. If there's a hunting season for it, we're doing it. I mean, we have access to a ranch. We take guys hunting. Guys who suffer from severe PTSD, we'll take them fishing and camping. Uh, today, as soon as I leave here, we're actually going out to 11,000 acres. And we have 50 to 60 guys who are taking dove hunting. And uh, these guys are about to hear about Jesus out there. They're going to get ministered to. Uh, we have a pond out there. That's the cool part. We baptize guys in ponds and rivers and lakes. Uh, we baptized three gods on Uligal Lake. I mean, they went away, you know, under the water. Came up dirty and muddy, but their sins were forgiven. All right, they were clean. But I mean, it's just mud. They had to wipe from their eyes. And they're like, hey, I'm like, this is great. You know, but that's what we do. That's who we are. So please, if you're a veteran, 
a first responder, or you know somebody who's a veteran who's suffering, who's dealing with issues, please take my phone number down. Our website's on there too. Go to our website. But guys, seriously, I'm honored to be able to come here and speak to you guys. Thank you so much. It's such a blessing. Thank you, James. Um, absolutely incredible. It, I, I just, you know, knowing James, he could have gone so many directions this morning. Uh, I mean, just barely, barely touching on his nonprofit organization. They do so much. Um, he's a leader at his at, at his uh, at his organization at his office. Um, so much he could have gone, uh, but I think today was perfect. Thank you, James, for being here. Um, we're serious about you guys reaching out to, to James. That's his number. We can send it out, email, um, you know, reach out to James, reach out to me. We're even more serious about you coming back to get baptized. Uh, we've already let the pastors know that we'll be announcing it, and uh, you let us know. We'll be prepared. Next month, our next speaker is Pastor Greg Scott. Pastor Greg Scott is the executive pastor of campuses. He also oversees Dry Gulch USA and Lincoln Christian School. Most of you know Pastor Greg Scott or know of Pastor Greg Scott. Um, this man is a leader to our leaders in this ginormous ministry organization that we have here. Uh, this is one you don't want to miss. I can't wait to be here. So we've already prayed. I just want to say thanks again for you guys being here. It's awesome. Next week, you get to sleep in. Next month, you get to sleep in a little bit back to the late 6.45 a.m., uh, thanks so much for coming. You guys are dismissed.